You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from our sermon series, Winning the War in Your Mind. For more info, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Well, if, if, you're, if you're newer or first time visiting, welcome to the Breakfast Club edition of Creekside Church. Woo-hoo! 10.30. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you guys like to eat breakfast before you come to church, and I don't blame you. Um, hey, uh, so glad you're here. I just want to kick off this by saying thank you, Pastor Aaron, for rocking it last week. And... Uh, she gave a mother's perspective in honoring our moms, and uh, she did an excellent job. So, oh, you're here. Thank you. I see you. I see you now. Uh, thank you. And I, I just got to say, I was able to worship from here, and I got a front row seat to the awesomeness that is Parker Rochelle. Uh, I give, I give Christiana props and all the time, and I think she's amazing. Uh, but Parker, which you may not know, he started in our student ministries playing guitar, learning how to play guitar. Now he's rocking it on the big stage. So where's my man Parker? Is he here somewhere? Is he hiding? Yeah, probably in the green room, eating donuts. Um, so... Uh, if you, you may or may not be aware of that, May is uh, like officially Mental Health Awareness Month. And this is why we decided to do this series in the month of May called Winning the War in Your Mind, because it, it really kind of fits. And listen, mental health is now at the forefront of the conversation, and we need to bring some biblical perspective and God's word and truth into uh, this area uh, because it's serious, it's legit, it's real. And if, if you're like me, you have probably waged war in your own mind at some point in time in your life, haven't you? So uh, I'm glad you're here and this is why we're doing it. Uh, we're talking about winning the war in your mind. And I'd like to go back to a verse that I mentioned on we- in week one of this series, when we kicked off the series, uh, it's Romans 12, 2. And I mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago, and it's a very important verse regarding this very battle that we wage in our mind, this very war that we fight in our minds. The Apostle Paul said this, and, and I got a, a, a peek behind the curtain. This is actually one of my life verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And for those who may or may not know, when I was on staff here as the youth pastor uh, for a number of years, uh, this verse was our foundational verse for CYC 180. That's where that name came from. And our tagline was renewing one mind at a time. CYC 180, Creekside Youth Church 180. So... I love this verse, and it speaks a ton to me, and I hope it speaks to some of us today. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 12, 2. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What he's saying is, don't think like, don't talk like, don't act like, don't behave like the world does. He said, but be transformed, meaning be changed 
be changed. How do we change? Read this with me. By the renewing of by the renewing of your mind. It's about winning the war in your mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, it's about winning the war in your mind. Bob, you can tell me because, thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but as I think back and reflect on, on my short number of years of life here on earth, have you ever, ever, at any point in your life, have you ever made a dumb or irrational decision? I didn't ask for proof, Ernest. <laughs> Have you ever made a dumb or irrational decision? I mean, it could be something as simple as you are on your way to church to glorify God, to serve other people with the right and the, uh, heart and the right attitude, and you ended up in like this zero to 60 argument with your spouse, right? That started off, who, who, who even knows how it started off, but it went to zero to 60 in a matter of a second. Or maybe in today's culture with social media being so uh, dominant and in the forefront of everything that we do and that we see, uh, maybe uh, you got struck with a, a disease called FOMO, the fear of missing out when you see what other people are doing and how they're living and how good they look online. And so you make a dumb and irrational decision to say, I got to be like that. I mean, it could come from anywhere. We make dumb and irrational decisions. Has anyone ever had that happen to them in their life? Every single one of us. We behave irrationally, don't we? And then we, after we behave irrationally or make that dumb, uh, uh, do whatever we did, then we look back on it and go, you know what? That decision I made in the midst of acting irrationally didn't quite make any sense. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? The next thing you know, you know you're, you're probably finding yourself, I want to be nice to somebody. I really want to be nice to them, but for some reason you end up yelling at them. <laughs> or maybe you want to, you know, you're, the, you're, you're saying, I really want to save money. I want to get out of debt. And, and I, I, I really need to save money so I can have this sense of security. But instead of actually saving money, you ponder how to save that money while you're shopping on Amazon. <laughs> Why do we do that? Or maybe you're saying, I, you know what? I really want to know God. I want to be close to God. I, I want to know him like everyone else seems to know him. And, you know, and, and I want to trust him for something in my life. I want to trust him. I'm trusting him for something big. But instead, you find yourself doing what? Worrying and battling anxiety. And it makes you wonder, why does this happen? Why why do I keep, you know, doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I do want to do? Why do we want to do one thing, but then we decide to do something completely different? Can anybody relate or am I just preaching to myself? Why do we behave irrationally? Why in our mind do we tend to make very irrational decisions? 
I think the reason why we behave irrationally is because in our minds, we often get wires crossed. Something short circuits in our mind. We get wires crossed. A couple of weeks ago at the beginning of this series, we talked about these neural pathways that form in our brain. Meaning when you experience a new thought and this new thought, you know, plays over and over and over and you think this new thought in your head constantly, the brain creates a neural pathway or a pattern of thought in our brain. Whether it's your experiences or your thoughts, what they're doing is they're rewiring, rewire, reprogramming your brain. For example, parents, raise your hand if you're a parent. Where's my man Luke? Is he not in here anymore? Oh, you got to meet Luke, guys. He's, he's an awesome dude. Uh, parents, you, you've experienced this. Like I did when my daughter was, you know, small enough that we can hold her up. And she had the cute chipmunk bat cheek face. And oh, I miss that girl. Um, we would play this game with Maddie when she was a baby. We'd pick her up and we'd hold her up. Okay, okay, Mads, show me your happy face. And she'd smile real big. This is before she could even talk. It was, okay, show me your sad face. And she'd, her bottom lip would stick out. All right, act surprised. <laughs> show me your mad face. All right, show me your thinking face. Hmm. And what would happen is she would do, it's a great party trick, by the way. Um, what, what, she, what would happen is, is she would do these faces, we would all laugh and she would laugh. And in her brain, you know what was taking place? New pathways were being created. Making faces is good. You understand what I'm saying? Or maybe, maybe you can relate to this. When we'd go camping a lot, we had a pop-up tent trailer, and we'd go to Camp Richardson in Lake Tahoe uh, on the regular, and it's God's very own backyard, South Lake Tahoe. Come on, somebody. Um, and we would go there, and, you know, we'd camp, and Maddie was walking around, and, you know, Kristen would be kind of concerned about, oh, she's going to get too close to the fire, and I would always say, she's only going to do it once, you know, <laughs> which is true, but... You know, if when, when, when Maddie would go and touch a hot rock that's been cooking by the fire, you know, and she, ouch, what's happening? A new pathway is being created in her mind. Rocks near fire, not so good. They're hot. They hurt. Likewise, moms, when, you're, when your kid wants a treat, right? Maddie wanted a treat. Mom would say, no. What would happen? Maddie would throw a fit. Then what's happened? Then what happened? Dad gives in. And you know, the new neural pathway being created in my daughter's mind was I love dad more than mom. You see how that works? Not really, just a little bit more. Um, but here's what happens. The more you think a thought, the more, the more your brain, you know, our brain is establishing new neural pathways, the easier it is to think those thoughts again. It's true. 
I mean, this is one of those areas, like I mentioned before, that where science and God's word both agree. The more dominant that thought we think over and over again, the more dominant it becomes. Which is really, really good news if it's God's truth. It's really, really bad news if you've been believing a lie from the enemy. Bad news when so many of us are believing a lie that the enemy has been telling us over and over and over again. Why do we act out irrationally? Many times it's due to the wires being crossed in our mind. Now, since it's been a couple of weeks since we last talked about this, I want to just quickly do a review. What do we know about our mind? That our mind is a battlefield. That our mind is a battlefield and that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. We saw the apostle, what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to summarize it here. He said this, we live in a world where we do not wage war like the world wages war. Weapons, the weapons we fight with are not of this world. The ones we fight with have divine power to destroy the strongholds, to destroy the wrong patterns of thinking where, where the wires end up crossed in our mind. Divine power to destroy any arguments or pretensions that set itself up against, against what? The word of God. The word of God. The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. And when we take captive every thought, the lies and the attacks of the enemy, who do we make it obedient to? We make it, it obedient to Jesus Christ. We make the, those attacks and those lies, those fiery darts that the enemy throws at us. We take those thoughts captive and we make, him, we make them obedient to who, church? Christ. We make them obedient to Christ. Again, why, why is this so important? Why do our thoughts matter? Why do they matter? They matter because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. And what comes out or what comes into your mind most likely will come out in our life. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. And when the wires are crossed, if you don't control what you think, you will never, ever, ever be able to control what you do. Today, knowing that, I want to spend a few moments building our toolbox and accumulating some tools over the next couple of weeks. And not only are we going to fill it with the appropriate tools to help us to um, battle and win this war in our mind, uh, we're going to build upon the tools that we will need to help us so today we're going to talk about one of them, and we're going to talk about training our mind. Training our mind. Have you ever thought about, hey, man, maybe I should take some time training my mind? I mean, not really, because if we're honest, most of us, we totally understand the concept of training our body, right? Taking care of ourselves physically. I mean, I, I did this for a number of years, 
Many of us understand and think about training our body, but not training our mind. But the reality is this is very similar. Training our mind is very similar to training our body. For example, has anyone ever heard of the 80-20 rule when it comes to exercise and diet? I learned early on that to have a healthy, fit body physically, you apply this 80-20 rule. It's 80% of what you put into your body and 20% of what you do with it. 80% of the nutrition that you put into your body affects you far more than the exercise. See, 80-20 rule. Training our, sorry, I got to tell you, I'm distracted because I heard my wife go, ch <laughs> You remember that one? <laughs> it, it totally threw me off and she wasn't even doing it to me. Uh, don't ch in this room. You can't ch ch it's, it's like a dog. Yeah, what? Totally threw me off my game. I apologize. Do you forgive me? Okay. Where was I? Thank you. 80-20 rule. 80, it's 80% of what you put in your body, 20% of what you do with your body. It's not just what you do, it's about what you put into it. And our minds are similar. This is a, 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 a perfect parallel, a great parallel illustration of our mind. It's not just about how we have been thinking, but what we allow into our mind that can either train our mind to continue believing the wrong things or we can train our mind and strengthen our mind with God's truth. With God's truth. It's not just what you do with it, but what you put into it. Again, seeing the progression of the Apostle Paul's life, we can catch a glimpse of how he began to renew his mind. Say renew. Renew, renew his mind in Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. But before we do, let me give you a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul was writing this very verse while he was sitting in prison. And not just sitting in a Roman prison, but he was chained to a Roman guard 24-7. It was not the ideal environment. He was not only sitting in prison, but he was awaiting possible execution. So you can kind of get an idea of the circumstances here. And this is what he said. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters... One final thing, but before we get to that, I know you can read ahead. What he did not say was, oh, great. I just want to let you know, brothers and sisters, that the situation I'm in really sucks. God didn't come through on this one. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just wanted you all to know that. He probably posted it on Facebook. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. 
Fix your thoughts on what? Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about these things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. While he's sitting in a Roman prison. Most of us wake up on the proverbial wrong side of the bed and our day is ruined. And everybody else who is in our path, their day is ruined too. Right, Doris? No, Think about these things. Another way it's said in the New King James, and I love this, it says, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, do what? Say it with me. Meditate. Meditate on these things. Now, before you get all up in arms, say, oh, meditation, that's a new age thing, you know, one with the universe and whatever. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual discipline of the right kind of meditation it's a, that is scriptural and it's healthy. Here's a simple definition of meditation. It says this, to engage in mental exercises, to focus, one thought, uh, focus one's thoughts, it's to focus. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about focus. In scripture, there are many examples of godly people, godly people who focused, who meditated on God's truth. Godly people who meditated on the power of God's word. I mean, look what the psalmist said. In Psalm 119.15, it says what? I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. In other words, he says, I'm focusing my mind on your spiritual truth. I'm focusing my mind, I am training my mind to see your truth. Psalm 143.5 says, I meditate on all of your works and consider what your hands have done. I meditate. I focus on the good things of God. I focus on whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. I focus on those things, training my mind to see those things, to think those things. Fix your mind. Again, this is where science and scripture both agree. Fix your mind. On these things. What's interesting, I've heard it said that um, Eastern meditation is, you know, the goal of Eastern meditation is to empty your mind. It's to empty your mind. It's to get to a state of calm, this, this absolute peace, this nothingness. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer in, in what, the, the Christian meditation, you know what we're to do? We're to fill our minds with God's truth. It's not an emptying of your mind. It's a filling of your mind with God's truth. Fixing your mind on these things. And it's, it's training it. And I believe that it should be an absolute priority of every follower of Jesus. An absolute priority that we train our minds to focus on the things of God. Train our minds. Because focus is a skill. And what I know to be true in my own life and probably yours as well, we need to focus more on our focus. 
We need to train our minds and uncross the wires that have been programmed in our mind, making us believe the lie. And we do this by focusing on what is true. Fix your mind on the things of God because what happens? We know this to be true. I know this to be true. You know this to be true. When our mind drifts, does it ever drift to a good place? I'm talking daydreaming. I'm talking when we lose focus. Does it drift to a good place? No, it generally drifts to the lies that we believe. Lies like saying, I, I, I can't accomplish this. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good husband. Or I won't ever amount to anything. I won't ever be out of debt. I won't ever overcome this addiction. Our mind drifts when we lose focus on the things of God. I'll never ever be enough. I'm never going to have the life I've ever always dreamed of. I'm always going to be alone. Our mind drifts when we lose focus. And I want to challenge us. Let's learn to meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's truth. Focus and train our minds. Train it towards God's truth. Now I get it. The application of this may be, it might not be that easy for many of us. Because I believe, especially in my own life, if you've ever if, if, if you've been believing a lie for a long time now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. Sometimes it takes effort and it, it takes time to deprogram that lie and replace it with God's truth. What I'd like to do this morning is draw our attention to an exercise that can help you focus on what's true. I want to show you how to repeat these truths over and over again to create new neural pathways, to renew your mind, to renew your mind with God's truth. This is all in the book, Winning the War in Your Mind. And if you haven't yet, jump into one of the Creekside groups that are happening right now that is focused around this book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Because in the, the small group, that's where the application can really happen. And you get other people around you that can encourage you, encourage you and help you along the path. How do we do this? Let me show you two things. Who's ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. All right. The first part of the assignment is this. And it's the first question we need to answer. It's this question. What is the stronghold that is holding you back? What is the number one wrong mindset that's been holding you hostage? What is that thing that you can identify and define that, ha that you have had the wires crossed in your brain? Maybe for some of you, it could be a lie that you've been believing for so long and that the wires are crossed. Like, you know, I... I've been in debt for so long, I'm never going to get out of debt. I don't know how to save money. I don't know where to start. I don't know. I'm always going to be in debt. Or maybe you grew up in a, in a family that struggled to make two ends meet. So you have that mindset of, I'm always poor. I'm always broke. I never have money. 
Maybe for some, I, I, you can't overcome an addiction. Well, science says that the addiction is, you know, it, it, it takes this long to overcome it. You know, this many years if you've been in it, this many years if you've been, you know, that's what all the science says. I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never going to be over, able to overcome this addiction. Or how about, I, you know, maybe you're someone who's, I've always struggled with my health. I am destined to be ill my entire life. Or I'll never feel close to God. You've been believing a lie from the enemy who doesn't want you to be close to God. And if you, you've, you've assumed that identity. I'll never be close to God like, you know, Jacob, our worship leader, is. Or maybe you've been believing a lie for a long time that you'll never have a meaningful job or you'll never get married. You'll be single all your life because nobody, how can anybody love you? What's the most dominant thought or stronghold in your life where your mental wires are crossed and it's short-circuiting? And the enemy has, you know, the enemy's lies has created a frequently traveled path that you take in your mind. Making you believe something that's absolutely not true about you. What is it? That's the first part of the assignment. That's the first question you have to answer. The second part of the assignment and the second question we have to answer is, now that we've identified that stronghold, what is the truth from God's absolutely powerful word that is going to demolish that stronghold? What truth from God's word will demolish that stronghold? I, I, what I want to encourage you to do is a couple of things. I want you to take a scriptural truth. It's, again, it's in the book. Take a scriptural truth, not just any truth, but an empowered truth of God's word. And I want you to allow this truth to renew your mind. Then, then what do we do? When we get this powerful truth from God, we do a few things with it. One, we write it out. We write it out. Write it out. That specific truth, write it out. Whatever it is that destroys that stronghold, whatever that, God, whatever that truth is from God's word that obliterates that lie that you've been believing for so long, write it out. Then I want to challenge you to think about it. Think about that constantly. Think about it. Focus on it. Meditate on it. What is that truth? Then continually confess it. Confess it. I am. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. God's, because Christ is within me and his strength is more. His grace is enough. Like mine, I can, you know, feeling I'm not strong enough, smart enough, uh, worthy enough, whatever enough that I can qualify, uh, pre-qualify enough with, I'm, I'm, uh, that's what I wrestle with. But remember my truth from God's word, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is that? Confess it. 
I am strong enough in Christ who is within me. Confess it. Confess it until God begins to renew your mind and you believe it. And until you believe it. And don't get all like, oh, positive thinking, Pastor George. No. Because you've already been believing a lie. Replace that lie with God's promise and truth. And allow that to create new pathways in your mind by focusing and training your mind. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. I promise you, when we do that, you know, it's going to take time. We didn't end up where we are overnight. You didn't, you didn't start living out the lie that you have been believing for so long overnight. This will take some time. But what will happen? New, new neural pathways will begin to be created in our mind. And that's God, God renewing our mind with his truth, replacing the lie with his truth. Now, I want to just share with you some quick examples uh, with you that it might, what it might look like. Maybe you're lacking some confidence and the, 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 the truth of God's word needs to come in to obliterate that stronghold. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. And I can do everything he calls me to do. Maybe you're fighting lustful thoughts. You need to say and declare, write it, think it, confess it, and believe it. You need to say, I'm not a slave to these lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. And I will honor him with my eyes and my my thoughts. And my God is faithful. Even if I'm tempted, he will always give me a way out. Maybe you're battling anxiety and worry and, and, you, and, and loneliness and you find comfort in food. And you need to declare, write it out, think it, confess it, believe until you believe it. I'm not a, I, 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 when I'm stressed, I, I turn to God and God alone, not food. I come to Jesus because he is what I need. And in him, I find my strength and I find my comfort. What is it for you? These are just random examples. What is it for you? What, what, what is that truth from God that's going to obliterate that stronghold? What has your wires crossed in your brain? What is that stronghold? What is that spiritual truth that will set you free? And once you can identify it, define it, I believe that every single one of us, whatever it may be, we can defeat it. Write it. Think it, confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And what will happen is we're creating these new neural pathways according to God's truth, being confident that God is renewing our mind with his truth. Like I mentioned earlier, mine, in a moment of vulnerability, I, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago what mine was. Man, I, I'm, I'm inadequate. I, I don't know if I will ever be enough. 
I don't know and I lack confidence that I have what it takes to be a, a good pastor, a good father, a good leader, um, a good husband. I don't know. Another area of that is I, I, I really don't trust in my own abilities. Maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. I don't know. But sometimes I battle this saying, hey, you'll never be. You're not smart enough. I'm still trying to figure out if, if this is a correct phraseology. Good looking enough? Is that? <laughs> you, you will, you'll never be healthy enough? You'll never, I mean, these are just lies that play on, like on repeat in my mind. And like I shared with you, Philippians 4.13 and, and Romans 12.1.2. I mean, I got, a, I got a, a few life verses, but I'm using God's truth to, to battle and overcome these. Now, I wanted to give you a peek behind the curtain because it, it's not just... God, God can use his word and the power of his word in many different ways. I remember going through the interview process of coming back to Creekside and, and some of the focus groups we sat through and everybody would ask me, through these focus groups, hey, what do you do for devotional life? Fair question. I'm a pastor, right? So what do you do for devotional life? And, and I remember as I was prepping for today and I was recalling some things of how God, what God used in my life to help me overcome some of these strongholds. And I said, yeah, I, I, I read his word. I journal. I pray constantly. Um, uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll pick up my guitar and I'll open to Psalms and, and I'll sing some of the Psalms. Sometimes someone a lot smarter than me has already written a song about one of the Psalms that I'm reading. And, and I've been playing one of these songs on loop in my head for years now, ever since I've learned it, because it helps me overcome one of my strongholds of I don't know if I can trust in myself in my own abilities. And I just wanted to give you an example because I think we all, some, all of us in our life, how many of you have that song that when you hear it on the radio, you go, oh man, that's my jam. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? And yes, out of the 12 that Caleb keep playing, there's probably one out of the 12 <laughs> that they play in between fundraisers <laughs> that you go, oh, that's, that, that song God can, he's really speaking to me that song. Well, this is, this is one. This is one of those songs because I'm familiar with Psalm 25. Some of you are probably familiar with Psalm 25, but when I talk about not being able to trust in my own self and then what, were, what could possibly be some of the consequences of that. Now, I'm going to be fair uh, up front. I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to stretch and flex my golden pipes, so forgive me. But like I said, this is a total uh, peek behind the curtain of my own personal devotional life. And I just really wanted to give you an example of, of how we can use different ways. God can use different ways to help you fight this war that you battle in your mind. Because we know the power of song, man. A song can make or break our day. And, you know, we have our favorites. And, but watch this. 
I'm battling with trust. Can I trust myself? Psalm 25 says this, and you, Lord my God, I put my trust. This is King David, who's just messed up, as messed up as all of us, who, who battled a war in his mind. In you, Lord, my, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me put, be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. And I love this because it really battles my stronghold. Show me your ways, Lord. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. What's really cool, and this is a song that I've been uh, playing on repeat in my head for years, and it's one of my favorite, not super complicated, and uh, it's, it, it really helped me in this area and continues to do so. And all it is, it's Psalm 25. To you, O oh Lord, I lift my soul. In you, O oh God, I place my trust. And do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me my hope is you show me your ways guide me in truth in all my days my hope is you. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Let's stand together. I'm going to invite you to sing out this second verse, and let's declare it over whatever stronghold we're fighting. And we're going to continue on in worship after this as well. I am, I am, oh Lord, filled with your love. are, oh God, my salvation, oh, and God, my life, and rescue me, my broken spirit shouts, my bended heart cries out, my hope is you. Show me your ways, guide me in truth, in all my days, my hope is you, show me your ways, guide me in truth, in all my days. Pretty powerful, isn't it? 
Now here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. Let's sing that chorus together. You guys ready? We're gonna declare today. My hope is you. My hope is you. Show me your ways. Guide me in truth. In all my days, my hope is you. Show me your ways. Guide me in truth. In all my days. You have the power within you because Christ is in you. We can overcome anyone. Someone said this morning after first service said, you know what? I get how everybody says, you know, addiction. It's a physiological, biological thing that, that, that God can't get rid of addiction. I am of the belief that the power of God, the power of God, through the, through the work and, and the person of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live as an attic. We are made new. We are a new creation. And our minds can be renewed. Let's focus on the things of God. Let's train our minds. Let's meditate on the word of God. Can we do that, church? 